Airflow. It's one of the most important factors that contribute to restaurant productivity, efficiency, and safety. From steakhouses to waffle houses, Airflow keeps employees and customers cool and comfortable. And no other company does cool and comfortable like Big Ass Fans. For more than 20 years, Big Ass Fans have manufactured the biggest and boldest fans on the planet. Fans that combine breathtaking beauty with the most innovative of features. Visit BigAssFans.com to learn more. Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nations Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision-makers. This week, I'm talking with Charlie Shin. He is the founder and CEO of Columbus, Ohio-based Gosh Enterprises, which counts Charlie's Philly Steaks, Bibibop Asian Grill, and Lenny's Grill and Subs among its portfolio. Charlie opened the first Charlie's in Columbus as an Ohio State student in 1986, and he's since grown this franchise to about 700 locations. Originally, much of that growth was based in malls, but Charlie's has since thrived in strips centers, freestanding units, military bases, and even in Walmart. Charlie and I talk about that the brand's non-traditional growth strategy and how that has evolved, uh, particularly considering the COVID-19 pandemic, how he's made simplicity in the Charlie's model, even as the industry modernizes, and how he thinks his next act could be even bigger than his first. Before I jump into that conversation, remember that there are many other ways you can engage with NRN's award-winning content. Not only can you subscribe to our monthly print edition and daily AM newsletter at nrn.com slash subscribe, but you can also subscribe to NRN's other podcast, Extra Serving, where our editors discuss the hot-button issues of the day, and we share interviews with a wide variety of restaurant personalities. That includes this week's episode, where I am joined by by editors Leanne Zinsmeister, Holly Petrie, and Brett Thorne for a conversation on Panera's new to-go-only unit, Chipotle's investment in walk-up windows, and Wendy's expansion of the Wendyverse. Plus, there's also a conversation between Brett and Owen Klein, the vice president of culinary innovation for Hardee's and Carl's Jr. that you do not want to miss. Also, don't forget that registration for Create the Experience is now underway. That is our live event that we are hosting in Denver this September 19th through 21st with two jam-packed days of valuable and engaging content, incredible food and drink, and much, much more. I am thrilled to share that we already have leaders from Applebee's, IHOP, P.F. Chang's, Torchy's Tacos, Wendy's, Duck Donuts, coffee bean and tea leaf and big chicken lined up to speak with many more to be announced in the coming weeks. If you want to engage with your food service peers and tap into practical insights that will help you run your restaurants, you do not want to miss this event. Go to create.nrn.com to learn more and to register. Again, that is create.nrn.com. Jumping now into my interview with Charlie's Philly Steaks founder, Charlie Shin. And don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my six takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. Okay. 
K. Charlie Shin, founder of Charlie's Philly Steaks and Bibby Bop Asian Grill. Thank you so much for joining today. Uh, Charlie, for those who may be not familiar with the Charlie's brand, give us a, just a quick overview of the story of this brand that you founded. Wow. Uh, well, Charlie's is the uh, number one cheesesteak brand in the world. Uh, we have, you know, 700 some locations and it's still growing. Uh, really, uh, uh, we love serving high quality, hot sandwiches. It's everything's USDA choice uh, uh, steak or the, uh, you know, chicken breast. Uh, just made fresh. Uh, I started this in 1986 when I was 22 uh, out of uh, Ohio State uh, when I was attending there. And it just grew and we had great people working with us. And, uh, you know, we, we it just became a very uh, successful brand. Uh, we have a very, very good franchisees. Uh, they are continuing to grow. Uh, so, uh, is is a good days for us. Yeah, incredible um, story. The, an incredible story to start it when you're 22, and for it to become this big, this successful. What, did you think it could become this at the time? I mean, did you want a career in the restaurant industry at the time? Oh no, my mother, <laughs> my mother owned a restaurant, and it, it was a, a Korean Japanese restaurant when I was in high school and early days of college, and. There was so much kitchen work involved. I said, I'll never want to do a restaurant. You know, <laughs> also it's a lot of prep work. And so, I mean, I end up opening a, you know, very simple cheesesteak operation. But Charlie's in comparison to running a full-scale restaurant is probably, you know, it, it's, it's a, only 10% of difficulty of whatever it would be running a full-scale restaurant. I have a lot of backward people who, who operate uh, big restaurants, yeah. Yeah, especially today, right? Um, so Philly, Philly cheesesteaks, what was the story behind why you wanted to do those at a, as a restaurant concept? Oh, well, I mean, first of all, I love to eat. And so unless I exercise, I probably, you know, uh, grow to 500 pounds. <laughs> I still, uh, I mean, I still uh, love our Philly cheesesteak. Uh, but when I was younger, I used to eat a lot more of anything. But my favorite was like a Philly cheesesteak. And so uh, when I was a junior in Ohio State, I, I talked to my mother and it would be good for us to open a quick service restaurant she said, yeah, that's, that's fine. What do you think? And I told her that I really like this particular sandwich. She said, okay. So uh, I start out with a frying pan. You know, there, there was a round frying pan. Uh, got some meat from a butcher shop. Asked them to slice the meat really super thin. And got provolone cheese and got some bread and. I love what I made and I, I gave to some of my friends and they say, wow, this, this would do great. And so I tested in my kitchen for several times and I was sure this was going to be a hit. So open up Philly cheesesteak place. Well, and I'm sure, I'm sure then, especially then, but even today, I mean, that niche is not really tapped out, right? The Philly cheesesteak category, if you could call it that, I mean, you guys are the leader here. Right, right. So um, 
Yeah, I mean, right nowadays, a lot of people are aware of what Philly cheesesteak is, and it is a high quality, you know, set, steak sandwich. But back then, so few people knew about it. So when I opened our first location at Ohio State, there was a Philly cheesesteak shop that was operated by old Chinese couple as a side to their Chinese restaurant. Hmm. So they have this Chinese quick service restaurant and also sell Philly cheesesteak. That's like, so, I mean, that's how awkward this product was uh, back then. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I think a lot of things are, I, I think the uh, two things really matter in food business. One, um, you know, is uh, how is the quality? Personally, I, I'm so much more into quality. So, you know, uh, the quality of the product is important and presentation of product is very important. So I, I, I think uh, we did both pretty well uh, from the beginning and, you know, it continued to do well. So obviously 36 years on now that this brand has grown to 700 locations, what's the evolution of the brand like? The product I assume hasn't changed too, too much, but just broadly speaking, what's the evolution of the Charlie's experience? Yeah, uh, so from the first location um, uh, at Ohio State, uh, I mean, quick story, I met this, this gentleman named Barry Zach. Uh, at, at a local Japanese restaurant, sushi bar, and there was this guy sitting next to me, and looked like uh, like Ernest Hemingway, you know, kind of <laughs> very uh, nice guy with a big beard and talk slow and very engaging. And he asked me what I do, and I told him oh, I own a very small place at campus. He said, "Oh, what?" And I told him, uh, "You know, Charlie's." He said, oh, I've been there. I love your sandwich. I go, you do? With <laughs> so I found out that he was opening uh, his another restaurant nearby. And he was a very accomplished restaurateur in Columbus, Ohio. I think he already took his restaurant to public at back then. So he has a chain called Max and Irma's. And, sure. yeah, and so it did very well in those days. And... I asked him, uh, Mr. Zach, do you mind if I just ask you for an advice one of these days? And he said, yeah, sure. So he was very generous with me uh, when I seek his advice. And he told me three things. First, Charlie, go to the malls for your locations. Mm-hmm. Second, uh, always cook in front of customers so they see what you're, you know, they get to see what you're making, their own food. Mm-hmm. Third, keep your book straight. And he say, you know, back then there was really not much of credit card. I don't even think we took credit card back then. It was all, all cash business. And he said, you know, there's a lot of temptation to, uh, uh, I do little uh, uh, less than honorable things, but when you go to when you need the money and you have to get your book straight because the bank's not going to give you any money without it. I followed those three advices, and we just open in the malls uh, and cook in front of the customers. So it did very well, 
and our mall location grew to about 400 stores. Wow. And then, um, but I, my ambition or desire was to open 3,000 very successful restaurants ever since, you know, I was younger. And in a malls all together, it made, we may tapped out at 600. Nowadays, we probably could only have 300 malls successful. Right. Back then, it's probably six, 700. Um, so I was always looking to uh, go outside of the malls. And I think I failed seven times. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. And the eighth, foot, eighth model was successful. So, so once we got the uh, formula ready and we just went and now we have a lot of locations out in the strip center that is doing very well and a lot of freestanding locations uh, open and still being built. Um, I went to a, a military installation. We have about 100 of those uh, inside a military. And now we do a lot of Walmart locations where McDonald's had vacated. We went in there. So patients okay. start out just in the malls. It just kind of went uh, both a captive audience setting as well as a, we become a destination. And I think it's because the Philly cheesesteak category has grown in awareness and we start to penetrate the market and and draw the customers on our own behalf sure yeah as you mentioned that captive audience idea I and mean, i think that what is what really drives the non-traditional as we call it um space but of course in the last couple of years with covid you know that the non-traditional space was actually what suffered quite a bit because suddenly traffic disappeared at a lot of these locations. So tell me about how you guys were able to get through when you probably lost a lot of the foot traffic at your locations and whether or not that strategy still feels right in a post-pandemic era. Uh, captive audience setting, you mean? Yeah, and, and locating in some of these non-traditional spaces. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, we, we're doing a lot of locations. I mean, I, I think uh, we'll end up opening somewhere we we're hoping to open 200, but I think we'll probably end up about 150 to 170 at the end of the year. And I think only five locations are in the malls. Okay. Okay. So that kind of tells you where we're heading. Yeah. Uh, I I don't believe mall is irrelevant, but definitely it has it has seen its heydays and. Uh, it's just going to be more of a specialty occasion. And so uh, we expect our mall portfolio to uh, dwindle down over the years from 400 to probably about 300, uh, I guess about, you know, I don't know where, probably 10 years down the line. But those who are remaining are going to be very strong or stronger. And the... Uh, 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 we will probably have a five times more outside location in the mall. Okay. Well, I mean, as, as a franchise brand, how much of that decision is driven by your franchisees? What, what's the kind of real estate that they're looking for, for their portfolio? Yeah, I, I tell you, nobody's looking for mall locations. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, it's really dictated by the sales volume and profitability. Mm -hmm. So it, really uh, easy to understand what kind of location really performs and what kind of rent 
uh, uh, you know, those location dictates. And so it's, it's been, I mean, that's why our strip center and freestanding location has been proven so stronger because the rent is uh, much more palatable than mall rent and it's doing more sales than the uh, uh, mall locations. Mm-hmm. So both that it works. That, that's why we're only doing like five locations in the malls. Yeah. Okay. What about the digital evolution? Uh, the last couple of years we've seen across the industry, the digital evolution has really exploded. Have you guys really jumped on with that trend too? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, for digital, I, there's, there's so many pieces to make this digital right, especially in the beginning. Now the technology has cut up. But first of all, you know, it's no longer cash register. It's a POS and POS that's really well connected with other systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, uh, you know, uh, we saw this coming and we were very, very uh, much uh, ahead of the curve. So we end up before the pandemic, we uh, changed all our POS to uh, for the digital friendly. Um, and, you know, beginning this uh, third party delivery, they were charging excessive delivery fee. And it was just really hard to bite that bullet. And, but we knew that, that we have to get the market share. And now it's it become a lot more palatable and our price has increased for the digital formats. So it, it, it is a good business for us. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even want to think about what our business would have been if we didn't have online and digital format. Because uh, I think one point at a time, Outside of the mall business, I think it was like 38% or something. Our mm-hmm. digital sales, it has come down recent days because uh, a lot more people are out and about. Uh, mm-hmm. But still a very significant portion of our business. I imagine a lot of your business is, has always been off-premises, right? Do you guys see just generally a lot of takeout business? Yeah. You know, Sam, uh, I... I I'm sure you you notice the trend. People, I mean, they just really nowadays people has become like a Netflix generation. They really do not enjoy sitting in a restaurant and eat unless it is an upscale, full service specialty restaurant. I mean, people just don't enjoy sitting in fast food places or fast casual or casual dining. Uh, especially in the evening, even during the day, I don't see as many people. So mm-hmm. I think that carry out, uh, making our food portable and having a really nice packaging is, is so critical to uh, the trend. Uh, and I don't see the trend slowing down anytime soon. Does it make you rethink the Charlie's model at all? The fact that if it's mostly, if it's getting mostly off premises, it's very digital. You know, like a lot of people say, I mean, you could put a restaurant basically anywhere these days, so long as you have a kitchen. Do you, do you rethink that idea of growth and the footprint considering where customers are going, this Netflix generation, like you mentioned? Yeah, uh, yeah yes. Nevertheless, yes, we, so we think a lot about the location and we think a lot about, you know, what other things that that's going to enhance our sales. But inherently, we're a cheesesteak concept. <laughs> yeah. So 
this day, it, it doesn't travel as well because it's a made-to-order hot sandwich, and it's best when you, when it's eaten right away. Um, so we have to work around it, and so we added uh, what would you know strengthen our business. So now we are cheesesteak and wings. Uh, we that wing component really brought uh, additional sales and brought more customer base. And we're working on something else just like that right now to uh, even enhance our business a little further. Um, as far as the location is concerned, I, I think it's the old adage, best location wins. You know, yeah. we just got to go where our customers are and find the location, best location in that area. And, and so we... I think one of the reasons for our success is that we really figured it out who our customers are and where they live and where they shop. So uh, our location, you know, their uh, resident and the uh, work and shop, we just need to be in one of those traffic patterns and, and we figured that out. And I think that's why our success ratio is so strong now. Sure. I want to get into um, Bibibop, the, the talking about the Bibibop business. But before I do, I want to go back to one thing you said. You always envision 3,000 locations for your restaurant. And I'm, well, I'm curious, why that number? What was it about 3,000 locations? And do, is Charlie's well on its way to that number? Uh, yes. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know what U.S. population is now, but... <laughs> Back then, it was uh, it was like 300 million uh, people or something, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, in my mind, in, in younger days, I say, oh, if we could have one restaurant for every hundred thousand people, you know, that's that's three thousand restaurant. I am sure we could have more, uh, but I, I still, I think three thousand because uh, we are still in somewhat of a niche category. I think three thousand is a good number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, what was, I'm sorry, Sam. What was the second question? Uh, is Charlie's on its way? I mean, do you think three thousand is is attainable for the Charlie's business? Yeah, definitely. We we're looking to uh, you know eight hundred fifty store uh, at you know uh, opening at the end of the year, and we'll grow another two hundred next year. So uh, as we continuing on, I I see this happening. You know, uh, this decade. Sure. All right, let's talk about Bibibop. Um, so this is a, a Korean bowl fast casual concept. What was the genesis of that brand? How did that come along? Ah, <laughs> uh, I. If you want to put this in in your uh, magazine, but I just kind of <laughs> use a variation or some, you know, uh, just a hint at here and there. Okay. Uh, I was really, um, so this, this goes back like eight years. And I told you, I tried to make Charlie successful out in outside of the mall seven times and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I come from a strong Christian faith background mm-hmm. and seeking, seeking God and say, my gosh, I have to make this Charlie successful. And then one day and during the Christmas time, I just uh, went in my office and say, God, I'm, and, you know, I say, I, I, I pray for quite some time. And 
from the prayer, I got just just very different notion about about restaurant model, mm-hmm. and uh, this I, I just didn't think much of it and very disappointed. Uh, that was I think Saturday. Monday came uh, came and one of the guys, a construction guy. Uh, at for Charlie's and stuck his head into my office and told me, Charlie, I don't know why I tell you this, but I just have a strong feeling you should open an Asian fast food. Huh. <laughs> and, <laughs> Interesting person to get that message from. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Joe. <laughs> Thank <laughs> And then about another few more days, he, he just said, came over and said exactly the same thing. I go, oh, well, and then there's a, this uh, a very large uh, commercial. He, he was a mall developer, okay? And we did a lot of deals with him. And he's a founder and he's much older than me and I don't know him well, but he called me one day during those days and asked me for a meeting. And when I met him, he said, you know, I've been very successful in the uh, mall business but lately I opened these two restaurants and it's not doing well. And Charlie, I want to give you the keys to this. You do whatever you like to do. Wow. I never really met this gentleman face to face before. We just did deals with them because uh, we needed property and they had it. I go, huh, that's, that's really interesting. So I really that I am supposed to open an Asian fast food Mm -hmm. and felt that was from God. So I I took three people out of Charlie's, including that construction guy. Okay. (laughs) He gets the credit, right? (laughs) Yeah. Someone to design and build the store. And and I took, I, my sister was doing the uh, uh, product development Charlie's and her daughter just graduated from, college and was looking for a job and doing some uh, uh, a small, I don't know, some work for the company. I took three of them out and said, I have no idea what Asian fast food that I were going to uh, open, but I really sense this is what I'm supposed to do. Three of you, you go figure it out what, what that's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's how it started. I, honestly, I never knew that I was going to do this. And I didn't even know it was going to be a Korean concept. I thought it was going to be a Mongolian barbecue, by the way. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. It, it ended up so, you know, we did after that, went to DC, Chicago and look at all other successful concepts. I, I felt there was a need for Asian category that followed Chipotle. Yeah. So thus became Bibibop and we call it Asian Grill. Yeah. And how many locations for Bibibop today? We have 46 locations. I mean, obviously there's demand for that, right? I mean, that that's uh, incredible growth in the time that it's been around. And I think you really nailed it that, I mean, that's trendy, right? I mean, especially when it came up, the having a pairing the sort of Chipotle model with Asian flavors was was trendy. But even today, customers are looking for those adventurous flavor experiences, right? So that must be leading to so much of its success. Right, right. Um, definitely, 
but more importantly, I really felt that we need to hang our hat on well-being. So, you know, even back then, even now, every time, any time that I want to eat something good for my body, I cannot find a single restaurant that, that, that I feel this is, it, it tastes good and this is good for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I still have that uh, problem. And, you know, Bibibop is a really great alternative. Uh, next thing I would think about is going to Panera. Okay, so that, that would be like another alternative if I want to eat something not guilty about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that well-being is very, very important to us from the uh, uh, beginning of uh, Bibibop. And now what, what we want to do is uh, we really want to serve healthy, affordable Asian, or it, I, I don't even say Asian, uh, you know, affordable and healthy meal is what we're after. Sure. Yeah. So something I've noticed, so I'm here in Columbus too, uh, not too far from you. And I've noticed around town that there's a lot of Bibby Bobs next to Charlie's. So I imagine you're leveraging your real estate relationships to be able to expand this brand, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the customer base are almost diametrically opposite from Charlie's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But this location happens to be where people, most people are, you know, having a shopping or working area. So it doesn't really make difference. But if we're going to suburbs, so Sam, you're from Columbus, we will not put Charlie's in Upper Arlington. It's just not her base. But Mm -hmm. it will do well. Bibibab will do well there. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, some, you know, Charlie's would do very well in, say south side of columbus and bb bob we would never think about putting a store there so sure. yeah it, it just happens to be when we have a strong bb bob we either have charlie's or vice versa so we just put red stores next to one another okay so my wife and i have had the pleasure of dining at the polaris location is our our closest Bibby bob um and going back to a point you made earlier when we went to Bibby Bop most recently, it was like 1.30 on a Saturday and it was packed. Every table was taken. Um, so you mentioned your customers are kind of different for the Charlie's brand and the Bibby Bop brand. Do, do you find that the Bibby Bop brand is more of a dine-in customer wants to sit and have that whole experience? Uh, yes, more so than Charlie's. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Charlie's. But we still have a lot of takeout. I think Bibibop, I mean, I, I think over a third of the customers are all digital. And, and I, I think we only have 20% of the customer who actually eat in. I think okay. eight of the customers is a carryout or digital. So, okay. still, uh, you know, so dining room is is still relevant but it is not quite as important so we don't build the big stores that we built in say uh a Reynoldsburg 3,000 square foot or Graceland and uh, we find just about 2,200 square foot uh, does the job for us now got it okay tell me about the expansion of these two brands in conjunction with each other uh you mentioned that the bibby bop are all corporate owned do you want to franchise it do you want to make it available to your existing charlie's franchisees uh 
you know, a lot of franchisees are asking for that. And uh, we just, uh, no, we haven't done it. And mm -hmm. I foresee BB Bot being franchising uh, because, uh, I mean, there's two things. Number one, we want to um, uh, adhere to the culture that we created, which is a second family culture and learning culture. At the end of the day, I have this great desire to see our people doing well, especially those who are at the restaurant level. I really want to make a difference in their lives that they become, I mean, from, a, I don't know, $12, you know, hourly employees to really raise up to become a system manager, general manager, and I want them to be an operating partner. Mm -hmm. And I hope make all our restaurants, Bibiba restaurant, uh, operated by these partners so they could make really good money and they could reciprocate that to uh, their own people. For that reason, the cultural reason, and, and also Bibibab is not that simple to operate, which is requires franchise model requires that. And so mm -hmm. for the reason, I, I think we're just gonna keep the corporate stores. Okay. Do you think that Baby Bop has the same ceiling as Charlie's? I mean, do you, or, or do you think it has the same runway? Can these, can it be as big as the Charlie's brand? Gosh, I think BB Bop could be bigger and much more strong. I mean, BB Bop sales is much stronger than Charlie's. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, I mean, I am so grateful that we start out with or with, with Charlie's cheesesteak category, which is the different shade from the rest of the uh, sandwich category. But mm -hmm. sandwich is uh, still a sandwich, and there's lots of it. But Bibibop, Asian category that follows the, uh, in a scoop and serve Chipotle model, that focus on healthy and affordable I think the uh, we we have so much runway. I, I think it's it's going to be a, a really a great successful uh, concept. Bibby Bob strikes me as the kind of brand that maybe you could take into more urban areas. And well, I, I hate the word for this, but the lifestyle centers of the cities around the country. Do you see that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, those are the customers. Uh, you know, anybody who as aspires to be healthy would like it Bibibop. I'm not saying those who really, you know, in regimen work out at the gym, but I mean, someone who may just wear, you know, gym shorts and feel good about going to Bibibop <laughs> because yeah. they to live a healthier lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those who just want the... Uh, uh, a lot of flavor. Uh, maybe Bibibop is probably not their place, but I think there's a lot of uh, room for Bibibop to grow. Yeah. Do Do you see yourself developing other brands? I mean, you've, you've developed very two very successful brands. You want to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> two is enough. Uh, two is actually. You know, we have third brand called Lenny's. Uh, oh sure. It's, yeah. It's, it's uh, you know a submarine operator, Lenny's Sub Shop. And this is very similar to Georgia Mike's. I, I think the, uh, that Lenny's uh, sub shop can really grow, especially, you know, Subway's closing just a bunch of locations and it, it creates a vacuum. And I, I think 
you know, people will always eat sandwich because it's a simpler to eat and that's what they're used to. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, uh, that, that concept can be very successful. Uh, so, you know, every day I'm working on any one of these three concepts. Sure. All right, Charlie, last question for you. What are you most excited about for the future? What's, what's something that is, um, that you're looking at the next couple of years or even further and is getting you really excited these days? Mm-hmm. I think the, uh, the society or people are really changing so much. It, it is, um, how we used to do business even 10 years ago became very irrelevant. Uh, I mean, just, just from the uh, digital sales, the two goes to, uh, I mean, I, I read a, a Starbucks, Howard Shaw say, you know, he used to sell hot coffee. Now nobody drinks hot coffee. It's all iced coffee. instead mm-hmm. of all to go and, and all that, right? I think the society has changed a lot. And I believe it is very, very important that we stay relevant to the changing dynamics of the customers. And, and so uh, it's not just the you know, uh, incremental improvement. Sometimes it just needs complete innovation uh, to stay current and continue to be successful. Um, I think that we, our people are working hard at it, and I am proud of that. Ultimately, I believe the success that, that we enjoy, I hope in the future, is because that we are really adding value to our team members and bringing value to customers. And I think then, then business will be successful. It's not chasing the money, but giving them something that is that they really value. And that's what I am excited about to be in business so that I could bring something good to them. I love that. That's great. Charlie Shin, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate this. Great. Thank you, Sam. Airflow. It's one of the most important factors that contribute to restaurant productivity, efficiency, and safety. From steakhouses to waffle houses, Airflow keeps employees and customers cool and comfortable. And no other company does cool and comfortable like Big Ass Fans. For more than 20 years, Big Ass Fans have manufactured the biggest and boldest fans on the planet. Fans that combine breathtaking beauty with the most innovative of features. Visit BigAssFans.com to learn more. That was my interview with Charlie's Philly Steaks founder, Charlie Shin. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my six takeaways. My first takeaway is that succeeding as a restaurateur starts with quality and presentation. Charlie had an idea when he was basically a kid. He was 22 when he launched this brand. He had this idea that uh, Philly Steaks could be an opportunity for him to build a successful restaurant. And he had this idea, too, that maybe he could start with a high-quality product, but especially that if it was well-presented both in the food and in the environment, that it could be something to really take off. It's a simple product, but if you do it well and you do it with a great presentation, it could be anything could happen. And sure enough, Charlie has built a restaurant empire out of that idea. 
Related to that, my second takeaway is that you should cook in front of your customers to enhance the quality perception. That presentation, that high-quality presentation that Charlie talked about and that he launched Charlie's with, a lot of that had to do with the fact that he cooked right in front of the guest because it really showed them that he wasn't he wasn't just bringing in frozen product. He was cooking it fresh right in front of them. They understood that the quality was there. It was a piece of advice he spoke about getting from another restaurateur that has really taken Charlie's uh, really far, obviously, over the past 36 years. Now, of course, cooking in front of the guest is more commonplace now, but back then it was revolutionary. And it really has, uh, Charlie really credits that, uh, much of the brand's success to the fact that it does that. So if you're not already doing it, consider cooking in front of your guest. It is an easy way to enhance that quality perception. My third takeaway is that if at first you do not succeed, try, try again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Charlie wanted to get Charlie's out of malls, but he said that he had seven failed models before he figured out how to do it. Finally, the eighth model was the one that worked, that he finally was able to get into strip centers and freestanding units. And as they say, the rest is history. Now he's gone beyond the 400 or so malls that they had maxed out on to now 700 locations because they expanded that real estate potential. But, you know, if he had failed once, twice, three times, he might have, you know, taken the hint that it wasn't meant to be given up. But he did not. It took the eighth try to get it right. What is it that you keep failing at that you still need to, that you still think you should try to do for the sake of your brand? Keep at it because Charlie is proof that it can eventually succeed. My fourth takeaway is that a non-traditional growth strategy is great to tap into captive audiences, but once you've built affinity with your guests, consider spreading your wings. The non-traditional location, of course, what I mean by that is what Charlie did at, in malls, but also airports, stadiums, colleges and universities, these kind of locations where you have a built-in traffic walking by your location. As we saw in the last few years, though, we saw that if you're dependent on those events, that kind of traffic, you're at risk at losing that overnight, which is what happened with the pandemic. But also, as Charlie mentioned, while they were able to tap into a captive audience in malls, Eventually, they did build a reputation for themselves, and it really gave them permission to expand beyond the non-traditional category. So it's something for you to consider if you too are invested in the non-traditional category and are looking to uh, get out of those non-traditional locations and into more traditional spots. My fifth takeaway is that even if your first act is massively successful, it may not be your last. Charlie and I, of course, taught, talked about a Bibibop Asian Grill, which was the Asian fast casual, uh, Korean bowl fast casual that Gosh Enterprises launched in 2014 and has grown to almost 50 locations. Uh, this is one I talked to Charlie about. I've gotten a chance to eat at Bibibop, and it's, it's really incredible. Great flavors, great experience. And Charlie actually thinks Bibibop could be more successful than Charlie's which is hard to believe when you consider that Charlie's has 700 locations. But in fact, even if you invest 36 years of your life in one brand and turn it into a massive success, remember, there are always other success stories possibly right around the corner. My sixth and final takeaway is that you must find ways to stay relevant among fast-changing consumer dynamics. Charlie spoke at the end of our interview about how what excites him is really that fact that even the industry of 10 years ago, it's not the same today. 
things change so quickly in this industry, in our society. And that's terrifying, yes, but it can be exciting. As Charlie mentioned, though, you can't do that with incremental growth. You can't evolve along with the times with incremental growth. Sometimes you have to do it with complete innovation. Consider how you can do that with your brand in these fast-paced times. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and to leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.ocus at informa.com. Thanks again and talk to you next week. 